he's very open and honest and vulnerable, and that's when people are like, you, there's something wrong with you. Which, I think that probably sucks more than anything. everyone this is alex and this is M. welcome to the latest episode of the good the bad the basic this is a podcast for tv lovers movie buffs and binge watchers of all ages on this podcast we'll be discussing what we loved what we hated and what's just a bit problematic about the tv and movies that we're addicted to and do a bit of rewriting where necessary. For much more exclusive content, become a show producer over on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the GBB family at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Today we'll be discussing the back half of one of the most truly groundbreaking and provocative series in television history, The L Word. This American-Canadian drama follows a group of lesbians living in Los Angeles and chronicled all of their highs and lows during their quests for love. How did the L Word manage to avoid so many heteronormative tropes? And what made this series an instant classic? Stay tuned! everyone if you haven't listened to last week's episode stop right now and go do that but if you're coming back to join us here's a refresher on some details of the l word the series is a drama created by eileen chaikin michelle abbott and kathy greenberg it was released from january 18 2004 through march 8 2009 on the showtime network for a total of six seasons and 70 episodes the series stars in the principal cast, Jennifer Beals as Bette Porter, Lauren Holloman as Tina Kennard, Bette's on and off again partner, Pam Greer as Kit Porter, Bette's older half-sister, uh, Catherine Monig as Shane McCutcheon, hairdresser slash model, Mia Kirshner as Jennifer Schechter, aka Jenny, a writer, and Leisha Haley as Alice Pizeki, a journalist and radio uh, personality. Then in the supporting cast, we also have Rachel Shelley as Helena Peabody in this back half, uh, Danielle, Daniela C. as Moira and later Max Sweeney, a transgender man that we um, meet in seasons three through six, Sarah Shahai um, as Carmen de la Pica Morales, uh, we left her at season three. Uh, Dallas Roberts as Angus Partridge, Kit's employee and later love interest. Um, let's see, back half. Rose Rollins as Tasha Williams. She is a captain in the National Army National Guard and military police officer. And then later, a civilian police officer. We meet uh, Tasha in season four, and she's with us from for the entire back half, seasons four through six. Marley Matlin as Jody Lerner. She is a sculpture artist and a professor at the uh, California University School of the Arts, as well as a student advisor. She's also in seasons four through six. Uh, Sybil Shepard as Phyllis Crawl. Uh, I think I believe she's the dean's wife, um, who in her golden years uh, comes out as uh, 
a bisexual and we meet her in seasons five through six last but not least janina gavankar as eva torres aka papi and we meet Poppy for the entire back half as well. And these are supporting characters. So let's talk about that back half. Season four, 12 episodes. The drama never ends. Oh my gosh. The drama gosh, never this, ends. This back half is so messy. <laughs> it's the messiest, but literally it's one of those messes. It's one of the few back halves of any series that's super, super messy, but still remains super, super interesting to watch. It doesn't feel like I'm overwhelmed so much as I'm watching a lesbian uh, episode of Jerry Springer. Right, which like that feels really right. Yeah, that's that's a, it's it feels awesome. It's amazing. Definitely giving me lesbian. Um, I don't know. It's like a really like not all my children, but like up, up above days Just of our like, lives. Definitely like days of our lives drama <laughs> but it was like, giving me general hospital yeah it was yeah, giving me as the world turns because <laughs> I, I was watching i was like oh my god girl what <laughs> this is so much literally everything that you think could happen will actually happen in this back half and then some um so we left season three with bet essentially kidnapping um tina's daughter angelica their daughter angelica yeah. Um they it's like she thought they were making inroads and they were, but Beth had forgotten that she had asked her lawyer to fax a letter over to Tina. So Tina gets the letter and then she's like, fuck everything I said. Um right. I'll see you in court. And Beth doesn't think her chances are good because again, Tina is Angelica's biological mother. So she just not just snatches the baby. And she's, like, thinking about leaving the country. But then uh, Joyce Wishnia, uh, that shady uh, lesbian lawyer, uh, she basically tells them, you guys need to come to a compromise because this is going to be a circus. These, you know, L.A. Le- lesbians fighting over this precious, innocent child. You're making the entire community look bad. You're going to put the kid through hell. Like, put on your big girl panties and get it together. Right, a.k.a. Coach Sue, who, by the way, like, I was like, oh, Jane Lynch is just the same person and everything. <laughs> yeah, Jane Lynch is amazing in this role, by the way. Like, she's kind of creepy and predatory, but like, she's she's a great she's a great character. And Joyce Wishnia is an amazing character, just as a concept. Right? You have this very high powered, openly lesbian attorney who is like just really ride or die for her community. That's a great character. Right. Not a perfect person by any means, but a great character. Um, meanwhile, Shane, Shane, who left Carmen at the altar, not the other way around, is drowning her sorrows like she's the one who got left. She That's goes on very on brand for Shane, though. <laughs> it's <laughs> so on brand. I'm like, sis, you did this. You could have not done this. <laughs> like, um, but she goes on a bender. And... Um, you know, she goes to see Cheryl Jaffe and then she realizes, like, this toxicity of this relationship is just, is a microcosm of everything that's wrong with me. Like, I shouldn't be here. Um, right. At the end of season three, Helena's mother had also cut her off because the wedding that never happened and how H- Helena is the one who financed everything right down to everyone's plane tickets, um, only for Carmen to be jilted. Her mom rightfully realized that 
Helena's not good with money. She throws money around like water and she's like, you know, I'm cutting you off. Let's see how well you can stand on your own and how many friends you can have when you don't have any money. So uh, she cut her that, off. That resolves, a, that resolves in a very interesting way. Yeah, it resolves in an interesting way for sure. But yeah, she cut her off and she was like, have fun, girl. Meanwhile, Max is attending a support group for FTM, female to male, um, transgender individuals. And um, Kit, who is pregnant, decides that she's not trying to be a mom again at her age. And she wants to have an abortion. Right. And Angus is like, yeah. And it's interesting, that storyline is interesting, because they go to, because it's, like, sort of when the show brings up the the issue of, like, crisis, like, pregnancy centers, they're not actually clinics, they're just, like, these weird, like, religious fundamentalist places that are, like, trying to convince you to keep your baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have to go through, like, that whole process, and that, I was, that was interesting to me, like, that the show, like, was thinking about that and and bringing that up before like i think we had like broader knowledge of exactly what those things are right because i didn't know that these places actually existed until i saw this episode um or the later episode when when they actually have uh the abortion later this season um i didn't know that these places existed i didn't know that this was legal right right and that's a, yeah that's another big part that they're totally and completely legal um and they can market themselves as abortion clinics but they're but they're not right and it's sad it's really sad um also uh, this is all in that season four premiere by the way um carla who is married to gabe shane's uh shane's father um carla shane's uh stepmother shows up and says that Gabe has walked out on her. Apparently, he like he didn't just have a one night stand with that uh, with that with that waitress. He just up and left his family. And Carla is having a breakdown; like she can't handle it. She tells Shane, "I left you a present on the back porch," and she leaves. And when Shane goes to the back porch, her half brother Shay is there. She, when Gabe left her, Carla decided she couldn't handle her son. And so she leaves Shane with her brother. Right. Which we think is going to be horrible, but this is actually the inspiration and the motivation Shane needs to get her life together. To I was about to be say, responsible like, for another person. Yeah, Shane coming into Shane's life was probably the best thing that could have ever happened to, to, sh- to her. Like, honestly and truly, I was like, oh, she about to let that kid down. And we know she herself has been homeless, has been hungry because, you know, Gabe abandoned her, her too. And we don't know much about Shane's mom, but we know that like her father was like, you know, dad was, Papa was a rolling stone. And right. she came to, to LA as like a literal waif, just on her own, no family, no friends, no nothing, and had to survive and like barely manage. So we're like, how is she going to do this with a child? She's real fucked up. But she does it. Um, and this season was actually one of my favorite seasons with Shane, where she just, like, you know, steps up and actually decides to be an adult for her brother. Um, later this season, I believe in episode two, we also meet Poppy, um, who is a lesbian who's lighting up the chart, Alice's chart of hookups and relationships. She lights up the chart more than Shane does. And we know Shane gets around. So she's right. very invested. She's like, I got to meet Poppy. Who is Poppy? We, I need to meet this woman. And 
Poppy's literally like the Latin version of Shane with better style, more charm, and probably hotter. Yeah, she's hotter. Yeah. She so let's talk about Poppy. <laughs> let's talk about um the this character and like their introduction. So Poppy is played by our racially ambiguous queen. <laughs> J- J- Jan- Jan- I can't say Janina. Her name. Janina. Gavonker. Um, I did not say that right. And so, yeah. So, like, it's like Em said. The Alice's little social networking thing. Uh, everyone is, and it's really funny because Alice is like, "Pappy, who's Pappy?" (laughs) Not knowing that it's like, no, it's Poppy. Like, it's Poppy. Um. The fact that she lives in L.A. and can't say Poppy really distresses me. Really? Exactly. It's distressing. And so this is when the show, I think, really rears its head and you realize, like, oh, it's white people. Like, um, (laughs) Janina, uh, Janina's doing some sort of, and it's weird because also the Poppy character is weird because, like, Janina's clearly doing some sort of, like, Dominican, like, New York. Like, I think she's trying. It kind of sounds to my ear. The accent is so terrible. <laughs> it's really not yeah. good. But to it my really, ear. She's really giving me, like, Bronx, Puerto Rican. Or, Bronx, like, yeah, Dominican, Puerto Rican, it, Dominican. Like, vibes. Yes. Even, like, Miami Dominican vibes, I'm going to be honest with you. Because, I mean, I grew up in South Florida. And, and I, with a little, like, Cuban uncle thrown in. And I'm I'm very thrown off. Same. I'm thrown off because I'm like, that's not L.A. Like, and I, and that was my first, like, sort of annoyance of it. It was like, I'm like, why is she trying to be, like, Bronx, like, Dominican, Puerto Rican when, like, this is Los Angeles? Like, um, so, like... All right away, I'm I'm not. I'm like okay, but then also the introduction of this character and the character in general is like, it's like the lesbian version of like the Latin lover like trope in the bad way. And yes, and this character is not like a character beyond that. And then she's like awkwardly like aggressive towards Shane for no reason just aggressive to be aggressive and I guess that and like that's when I really like oh like the writers of this show think like people of color like that that's interesting like (laughs) and 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 I mean interesting like oh like racism interesting um and and it doesn't help that Poppy is introduced with Tasha and literally the first and I remember, and the and Shane will even remark, like, in, in regards to Tasha, like, when Alice wants to bring Tasha or Alice invites Tasha somewhere, Shane says the line is, uh, oh, Poppy's angry friend. And I'm like, oh, mm, mm, yeah. Mm. When well, Tasha- we don't meet Tasha until a few episodes after we meet Poppy. Right. Um, but but, it's in, but it is introduced. But it is like how the women of color are like perceived of on this show, right? So I have a few thoughts about Rose. I mean, not Rose. Uh, Rose Rollins plays Tasha. I have a few thoughts about Poppy and Tasha. So 
Poppy's aggressiveness towards Shane, I could have handled that because it was very clear that she saw Shane as competition since Shane is the only one coming close to touching her numbers on the chart. But I did, like I said, I, I like you mentioned, I didn't like the way that the she was an amalgamation of every Latino in the world. Um, <laughs> and I didn't like how... Um, like you said, she was like the Latin lover trope because we had a character like Shane who kind of gets around and she wasn't reduced to a trope. So why does Poppy have to be the Latin lover trope? Why can't she just be charming? I think what bothered me most about Poppy is how aggressive she was towards the women she was interested in. It was giving me Pepe Le Pew. It was giving me tasteless. It was actually giving me cis het man <laughs> a lot of right. times. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, I agree with that. And then, and like you said, like Shane has, I think what ultimately bothered me is like, like you said, Shane isn't reduced to just the, all the women she sleeps with. Like, you know, Shane has this, Shane has been having this incredible arc on the show. And then she has this other, um, she's a character. She's fully realized Poppy and Poppy isn't like, even from now until the end of the series, she's just like this girl, even when, she gets with like kit it's not it it feels like it's just something that they did because they're like oh i guess like this person should have a storyline mm-hmm. and it's it's ugly to see that's all yeah I, the closest they ever did come to humanizing her was um that night she spent with kit and you know kind of taking care of kit and we kind of got like a glimpse into the softer side of poppy but you know it didn't last it 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 was and it was too little too late i feel um now as for as for uh tasha i will say this it was a different spin on the angry black woman. I'll give them points for creativity. She wasn't the loud, snappy, you know, finger snapping, neck snapping black woman, right? She was like the quiet, moody, angry, which is usually reserved for uh, white people. And the reason why she was angry, I thought was interesting. And that's because, you know, she was like military and PTSD over stuff that had happened to her comrades over in Iraq and Afghanistan. But I'm like, I still don't like it because I feel like if any other character, like a white character, was a military vet or active military and was angry, they wouldn't call her angry. They would have compassion for her. Well, and that's like my, I guess that's my point exactly. When Tasha is introduced, when, cause like the whole thing is, is that like Helena, so, so Helena does this, and this is like why my grade for season four is like kind of is basic. There's this plot where like Helena feels like she's like honestly on a completely different TV show, but it does. <laughs> She's on a completely different show doing a completely different thing. And I'm like, why are you, why is this plot here? And, but, um, they all meet because Poppy brings Tasha over to play cards. Cause Poppy's going to teach Alice how to play cards. And then Tasha's there. Tasha's not angry when she's first, when they're introduced, she's just quiet. She's right. Quiet and she's shy. <laughs> like, you know, I know, black women are not allowed to be introverted. <laughs> she's, she's quiet and she's shy and she's traditional like (laughs) those do not equate to angry and that's why um I specifically said when Shane makes that comment the fact that like the writers are 
because like the fact that the writers have Shane make that comment, it's, they're not doing it to like, the way it's framed for the audience is like, the writers aren't like having Shane say that Tasha is angry to illuminate Shane's like casual racism. The show is like telling you no, like Tasha's angry, but she's not angry. And that's when like this show, this is where the show fails. Like this is where like ultimately so much of like white queer shows fail because they don't, cause like she's not angry. She's like, she's just shy. Like it's so clear. Cause I know, I mean, I have a, I know so many people like Tasha, like exactly like Tasha, like tall, dark skin, military, super quiet, super observant. They don't really talk a lot. Like grew up poor, went to the military because it was something to do. And like, it, it was a good pension and it was like a way to sort of drag your, like it could feasibly drag your, like uh, put you doing something different and like trying to break a cycle of poverty. Like, so, and that's, I think one of the, the things that like, is really unfortunate about the execution of the Tasha character period is that they ended up, I don't think on purpose, I think by accident, they, by accident, they ended up having this um, really rich character um, Mm -hmm. who is in this intersection of all these things happening and they had no clue what to do with her. They, and they, they they didn't have the range. They did not have the range to write this character. And it sucked because, like, she's the most interesting out of everybody because there's so much that's going on with her, like, in terms of where she, the intersection where she's at politically, you know, she's not rich like the other girls, like, even particularly somebody like Tasha in contrasted with, like, Bet. Oh, my God. So interesting, right? Because they're living two completely different experiences, Right. Um, and, and nobody, nobody had the range, nobody. And it's like, this is like why we're like black writers, you need them <laughs> like black writers with like good politics. Like you need them because it's, oh my gosh, what a missed opportunity. I agree. I agree. Um, my whole thing is like, like you said, there was so much to be explored with Tasha what disappointed me with Tasha actually wasn't while I was watching the L word. It was actually looking back after I watched a movie called girl trash, check out girl trash. If you're a fan of the L word, if you're a fan of the amazing end series South of nowhere, um, pretty much all the characters that we know and love from both of these shows show up in that movie, girl trash, um, including Rose Rollins who plays Tasha, but she plays the exact same type of character in girl trash like not military but like the quote-unquote angry brooding uh a black woman that people are afraid of that was her character in girl trash as well and then i realized the problem with white people thinking that they can write about anything and everyone Mm, yeah (laughs) because that's it's a problem y'all don't have a problem cease and desist sorry i hate that for you Let's talk about other things that happen during um, during uh, this season, season four, because so much happens in season four, and it's all good. Yeah. Um, uh, da da da. Um, Helena has gambling debts. So let's talk about Helena <laughs> and this gambling debt, and then her rich hoe. Yeah. So she becomes like she went from sugar daddy to sugar baby, and it was interesting. <laughs> 
It was interesting. But like, so yeah, Helena meets this, this like her in a very, it, you guys, it felt like a completely different show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it, so actually you, you, you talk it back. You describe it. How does this come about? So she wants, she, she loses a bunch of money, um, at the tables and she meets Catherine and Catherine basically scoops up on Helena the exact same way Helena used to scoop up on other people and was just like, um, you know, I can make this go away. And Helena decides I got to do what I got to do. Um, I got to make this go away. But, um, um, she basic Catherine basically draws Helena into her life and she encourages Helena's gambling um, like, like almost like, a as a form of foreplay, like when Helena wins, they have amazing sex and Helena wins often. And when Helena loses, they both know that Helena is now becoming more and more indebted to her. Yeah. But so like either guys, way she wins. <laughs> right. But you guys, it's not like, it's like <laughs> the way it's shot and the way it all comes about is like, so not anything it's so tonally different from the rest of the show that it feels like its own completely separate plot like from the show like helena and Catherine's whole thing is like casino meets indecent proposal and it's like really sexy and i'm like wait like what what am i watching i remember like i was cook i was i had it on and i was cooking and I turned around seeing Helena and Catherine's part. And I was like, am I watching the, did the, sh-? and I, I legitimately thought that like the show had like gone off for a while. Like, mm-hmm. like, you know how Hulu like will auto keep auto playing. And then like, if you run out the whole season, then it just starts on something else. I thought I had started on something else. <laughs> Girl, it'd be like that. It really be like that. Um, yeah, it it looks like Helena is in a completely different show, and they just splice those two shows together, and that's what's up. And it's like, and you know, she's like, they're in like, you know, Catherine's has a lot of money, so they're like, so Helena's living large in like Catherine's hotel rooms, and it's just, I mean, it's a great plot, and I and I loved it. Like, I I actually really loved it for like how sexy it was and I was like oh this is what it's like when people like do things that are sexy (laughs) cause like we don't have sexiness like these days like in television and film we've like put like the kibosh on things that are sexy like genuinely sexy and I was like oh but then I was confused because I was like but this isn't the rest of the show (laughs) right like how does this tie into the narrative so uh yeah but if you're looking for like a little casino moment a little indecent proposal moment a little um oh my god what's another like movie uh if you're looking for you know a little like uh 21 moment then this season is for you this season is for you um so let's talk about something a lot of other things that are happening this season 
Bet is Bet is falling for Jody hard. Jody, yes. who is a, a sculpture artist and a student advisor at the college where Bet is now currently um, uh, the dean of the School of Arts, Dean Porter. Um, and she really wants Jody, and she gets Jody to fall for her. And Jody even becomes monogamous for Bet. Um, and she introduces Jody to Tina and all that jazz. Um, <laughs> uh, also, um, uh, Jody, Leonard, sorry, really um, quick. J- Jody played by Marley Matlin, Ma- Matlin, who once I saw Marley Matlin in this, I was like, oh, wow. Marley Matlin's really been that bitch for like a long time. Shout out to her. A long time. Like, and I love that, uh, she was introduced because there hasn't really been any other disabled characters on the show. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of times people be- like just assume heterosexuality or even asexuality to a lot of disabled people. Mm. Real, real like, shit. Oh, they don't have a sex life. <laughs> it's fine. Um, it's one of those types of situations. Um, uh, there's the whole, uh, there was a whole, uh, Tasha and Alice thing. So after Tasha broke off her very brief affair with Phyllis and Phyllis later starts dating Joyce, they were a very cute couple, by the way. I love, um, some, you know, post-middle-aged lesbian, uh, drama. They were a great couple. Um, after they break up, like, uh, Alice starts dating Tasha and Tasha and Alice could not be more different. Tasha is quiet and introverted and Alice is loud and extroverted and nosy as hell. Um, um, you know, Alice is anti-military. Tasha is active military. Um, you know, even, you know, race, which becomes the more minor issue in relation to all the other th- ways that they're not compatible, but they actually get together. They really like each other. And I'm not going to lie. Alice and Tasha scenes were kind of steamy. I wasn't expecting that. They are. No, they're good. They're no, really good. And the biggest news of this season, I think one of the biggest, because it, it it's a thing that keeps on giving for the rest of the series, is Jenny's movie. Jenny's book got opted into a movie, The Girls, which becomes lay girls which becomes les girls and uh we even get a cameo from marina who want who auditions to be one of the producers of the film um jenny's ex-lover marina looking amazing Mm. as always um but jenny i don't want to say jenny changes because i always saw this person in jenny that's why i never liked her but jenny basically like removes the veil and shows like the savagery within yeah jenny like make does like a turn as like a female dan humphrey <laughs> and pretty she, much and she writes this like really tra- like mean and nasty book about all her friends <laughs> mm-hmm. and then gets paid really handsomely for it um and then still expects like them to be friends with her which they all do for like a reason i don't know shout out to everybody because even because Alice, like, goes to Bet and is like, did you read the book? And Al- and Bet's like, girl, like, I don't even, I don't, I'm not even, I don't know. Like, I don't care. Yeah, Bet's not even mad. But, yeah, Bet didn't care. Nobody cared. But then, like, this season was great because I got to see Tina, like, boss up, really. 
because she'd always been Bet's girlfriend and Bet's baby mama. And now we got to see her doing what she was doing before Bet came into her life, like being a boss ass bitch. Right, right. Tina Although, was looking good too in her power suits. Not gonna lie. Right, and that's when she divorced. That's when she finally got rid of the guy that she ended up leaving Bet for. But let's talk about really quickly about. So there's a scene because Tina's with like a. Tina and Bette break up, and then Tina gets with, like, a man, right? And there's this... and like, But Tina wants to, like, keep all her, her lesbian friends. Um, and there's this Was scene this where... season three? The party where they... Yeah, Where the they're all, like, homophobic as shit. Yeah, that was in season three, right? All right, never mind. I thought it was... I no, but was let's talk four. about the party. It's necessary. <laughs> I was like, this is why, I'm like, this is why it's violent for, because, like, her whole thing is, like, she's throwing this party because she wants her lesbian friends and her straight friends to, like, mix and be BFF. And it is so fucking violent, you guys. It is. It is so fucking violent. Like, and I would never, and this is why, like, it's important to vet your fucking friend group and your family before you bring... Because they all come there and they're just so rude. Just off rip. Just to just to do it. Just to be it. And the thing is, I don't think they were even being rude intentionally. I think they were doing that thing that a lot of straight people who are homophobic do as a very compulsory, casual means of conversation. Because they assume that everybody else is either homophobic as well or that if you're gay, you're ashamed of it. Like, the conversations they were having were very presumptive of, like, um, they were homophobic, but they're also very presumptive that lesbian relationships are not real or somehow less real than heterosexual ones. Like, and that's why everything that came out of their mouth was rude as fuck. And I'm like, this is their normal conversations, Tina. This is their everyday conversations. That's why the shit flew out of their mouth so easily. (laughs) Right, and and I, and the thing that gets me is like Tina is so she's like she's so shocked that they're so homophobic. I'm like, bitch, are you really? Right, like we're not gonna sit here and act like it's not most straight men's dream to convert or quote unquote turn a lesbian, especially when he knows you've had relationships with men in the past. Bet and then later Helena are the only women that Tina's ever been with. Like, she had a whole line of ex-boyfriends. So, of course, he hears that you have this lesbian ex-girlfriend. He's probably fantasizing about y'all while he's fucking you. I'm just going to keep it a buck. This is a lot of straight men's fantasies. Most lesbian porn is consumed by straight men. This... Don't think that because he knows you're in a relationship with a woman that that automatically makes him an ally. Right. Right. No, that's right. That's right. Oh, um... Oh, and then really quickly, I want to talk about, before we sort of wrap up season season four, I want to talk about, so Angus cheats on Kit, and I thought, I want to talk about the fact that what's about how Bet dis- purposefully does not tell her, and I remember at first thinking Bet was wrong for that, but then, like, Bet confronted him, and I was like, oh no, Bet's a genius. Like, yeah, and, she, and she's like, okay, so, like, tell me what the situation is because I need to know how to deal with whatever fuck shit you're doing. I just want to know what you thought about it or if you if you thought from jump it was a good idea because I was like, oh, no, that was a good way to handle it. 
I thought that was a good way to handle it because at the end of the day, like don't, don't shoot the messenger is a saying for a reason. And it's been a saying in various cultures throughout the millennia for a reason. Like my great grandmother used to say this, which is, which falls in the same vein. She's like, people will hate you more for being right than for being wrong. Nobody wants to hear some shit like they're being cheated on, especially from the person that they're not even with. Like to know that someone outside of your relationship knew before you did, that's painful. Uh, and with that, season four, um, that's that's sort of how season four uh, of the L word ends. And what's your what's your grade for season four? Good, bad, or basic? I thought season four was actually quite good, messy, but in the very best ways. Um, we didn't even touch on Shane and the single mom, or Max deciding to get his gender um, a- affirmation surgery. But there were so many great things that happened. I really wish the series, the season, had spent less time on Jenny, especially since she consumes the next season. We'll talk about it. But I do think that when we did mess with the other characters, it was good times all around. Oh yeah. Wait, is this a season? It's next season that that Max gets pregnant, right? Yeah, girl. It's about yes. to sound. <laughs> okay, yes. All right. Um season 4. Season 4 for me was I'm going to put it on good minus. Good minus basic plus. Um there were it was just disjointed. Uh, it was like I, people in storylines and characters felt a, felt a, like apart in a way that um, wasn't conducive to I think the flow of the whole story, and I do think it like messed up the flow. Like I said, like Helena, it, like Helena was in a completely different like TV show, like style wise, writing wise, like even the choices of the the even the direction choices felt so different. Um, And that can be said, I think about a couple of other characters as well. So, um, but it was super messy and a lot of amazing moments. So, you know, it gets, that also puts it high on my chart. Yeah. I want to talk about this briefly because like, about the directors specifically. So the award had a lot of guest directors, including, but not limited to, Angela Robinson, who directed Debs, my very favorite lesbian film of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie Babbitt, director of But I'm a Cheerleader, which we've covered back in the day on our on our um, our movies reviews for Patreon. Um, even Tony Goldwyn, yes, that Tony Goldwyn, Fitzgerald from Scandal. They've had a lot of amazing guest directors. And so um, I think a lot of them have done a good job of like going with theme and making the show cohesive. But sometimes I think somebody just goes off script and they're like, it's my time to shine, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Same. But it definitely gives that energy of like, it's me. I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm here. I'm I'm here. here. Um, Um. Angela Robinson actually directs quite a few episodes in this next season, season five. Uh, Season five was giving us energy. Energy is what I'll say about season five. Um, Season five had 12 episodes, and they introduced a really interesting character. And who is that? Yes. All I'm going to say is Lay Girls. Oh, Lay Girls. 
Lay <laughs> girls. Lay girls. Um. Oh no. Wait. No. Seriously. Who is it? Oh, not. It's not Jenny. Adele. Oh, that's true. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Adele. Yo. Okay. First of all, what is that movie? What is that movie? It's a. It's an old movie starring Bette Davis, the actress. Oh my gosh. I'm not the person to ask about Bette Davis movies. Um, All About Eve? Yes. So Jenny and Adele's relationship was giving us All About Eve, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. That's true. It is a lot of All About Eve energy. (laughs) Like, well, first of all, I thought Adele was a very nice girl. But she's, but very quickly, and I mean very, very quickly, she started revealing herself as a liar. And it's interesting that Alice was the only one who picked up on uh, what a snake in the grass Adele was. Mm, mm. She's the only one. And I used to think prior to season five that Alice was a very self-absorbed person. But then I realized she's not. She's a very nosy person. So she actually pays a lot of attention to other people. And she was the only one paying attention to little unassuming Adele from the Midwest. So Adele basically crafted a personality that was very similar to who Jenny was in season one. Oh, I'm just from the Midwest. I'm here trying to make it as a writer. I just love your work so much, Jenny. I think you're so amazing. And so she does all this and appeals to Jenny's very inflated ego. Right. And very, very soon she's all up in their lives. Right. Um, (laughs) Like really deep in their lives. Deep, deep, deep. And there's another person who picks up on it besides Alice, Max. Max also sees very quickly that Adele is shady as fuck, right? But Alice and Max never really compare notes. They're just kind of on their own telling people, isn't she weird or isn't this weird or didn't she say this the other day or why is she saying that now? They're picking up on it. But nobody's like comparing notes or like cross-examining their experiences with Adele. If literally more than two people had sat down and talked about their experiences with Adele, the shit would have hit the fan much earlier than this. But Adele manages to creep into Jenny's life and literally steal um, the movie right out from under her and become producer on Jenny's movie. Right, listen, Adele was here. Adele had a plan and she executed flawlessly. Flawless, like annihilation, Mortal Kombat style. Um, it's really sad. You it's know really- what I think really sealed it for Adele it was like the scrunchie. <laughs> that ugly blue ass scrunchie she would wear in her hair. Right, right. And we the woman who plays Adele, I forget her name, she is also in that movie Girl Trash. <laughs> like, don't sleep on that movie. It's it's dumb, but it's funny. It's like a lesbian musical. Um but she's an interesting character, Adele, because um, I think the actress who, who plays her has a lot of range. So there's that. Um, but as she became more and more comfortable with Jenny's life and she got closer and closer to her goal, not only her personality changed, her physical appearance changed. Adele had a literal glow up every single episode. <laughs> she did. That's true. <laughs> every episode, she was looking better and better and better. I was like, wait. What is happening? Is her hair glossier? Is her skin clearer? What happened to Adele's glasses? <laughs> and that's real, because y'all know I love a scammer. <laughs> Listen, scam, not likely. Scam, definitely. <laughs> that's what this was. And Adele was definitively, like, scamming with the grades. With the... Yeah. With the... Like, um, 
beginning of the season, Tina was on to her too, right? T- at the last moment, Tina was on to her. Right. Um, when, when she finally managed to steal the movie. Um, but it's interesting because... Um, Adele basically tells it becomes Jenny's yes man tells her everything she wants to hear and Jenny's ego goes with it and she actually alienates her real friends Alice Shane um even Max you know yeah things ended between her and Max so like Max still really cares about Jenny a great deal right like and Max is just not that kind of a person like Max is not like a double crosser or a turncoat like Max is a salt of the earth person like they don't deserve Max, period. But yeah, they try, everybody, yeah. everybody tries to warn Jenny. And she's just like, you know what? Bitch, don't kill my vibe. <laughs> <laughs> and Jenny, like, is... And, like, you have to... Jenny is really wiling out because, like, Jenny goes from, like, the screenwriter to, like, thinking she can direct, like, overnight. Oh <laughs> and she's just like... What if we bought you a Fendi purse? Like, her department heads are like, what do you want the shot to look like? Like, what kind of lens do you want to use? What was your vision for, like, the the look and the feel? What's the score going to sound like? And she goes, what if we bought Fendi ba- bags? And it's like, girl, what? Right. It's it's all gross. And Jenny doesn't isn't just in her ego. She becomes this very, very materialistic person. She literally just spends all her time flaunting, uh, you know, her her new luxury and then this new lifestyle. She gets into this really, really creepy, uh, like daddy, like daughter role play type relationship with the with the producer, with the money man, um, who she calls Mister, and who she's got wrapped around her finger. And Adele basically swoops him out from under Jenny's thumb as well. Um, like, Jenny's just throwing money around. No, so far in the air. She can't even smell her own shit. She doesn't have her life together. And then the straw that breaks the camel's back is her relationship with one of the actresses, Nikki. Right. So she- Nikki is actually playing Jenny's character, Jesse. Right. And... Um, it's revealed. Actually, this is really, really brilliant on Adele's part. Adele realizes before anyone else does that Nikki's gay. And then she basically micromanages the situations where Nikki and Jesse and Nikki and Jenny would get together. Right. And then she records them having sex. Right. Yep. <laughs> And then uses that to blackmail Jenny because um, if this gets out, Nikki would lose her career, and her career she's her, her career is basically Megan Fox's career in the early two thousands. She's a good actress, but her career is literally thriving on how many men want to fuck her. Right, right, exactly. Um, and then not o- not only will she lose out on I guess the straight roles, but she'll also it it looks bad. It looks bad in the light, right, for her career. Right, because it looks like she fucked her way into this role. Right. Um, it's like you're literally playing the Jesse character, which is supposed to be based on Jenny, a book written by Jenny, a movie directed by Jenny, like, and you're fucking Jenny. How does this look? <laughs> <laughs> so it was really, really bad. And in the end, Nikki chooses herself. And which she should do. She's a young woman. She's like 21. I was like, choose yourself. Choose your career. It's not that deep. 
Right. We love it. We love to see it. We love to see it. But Jenny's like in her feelings and um, Adele uses this time when she's down for the count and she's not really thinking about the movie to be like, listen, Mr. Like, sir, Jenny's not really doing her job and this movie's failing. You need to put me in charge because I already know everything that's going on anyway, which is half true. And she does. She gets the movie. And then she quickly fires anyone that was like really fucking with Jenny on that level, which includes Tina. Right, right. Because she doesn't want any possible, you know, um, interlopers or espionage going on to take the movie back from her. So she fires Tina. Did I mention Tina looks good as hell this season? So good. She looks incredible Um, this season. Work from home was not a good look. Like, stay at home girlfriend was not a good look for her. Um, but, um, she gets the movie, um, you know, and now Tina sees what everyone was basically trying to say for, like, the longest time. Like, don't trust this girl. You can't trust this girl. And they realize that she's a whole sociopath, because on top of doing the All About Eve, she was also low-key trying to do a single white female up in here. She was. She was. (laughs) She was. She was. (laughs) Like, by the time she gets the movie... She looks like Jenny. She talks like Jenny. She walks like Jenny. She even smokes the cigarettes that Jenny smokes, how Jenny smokes them. Right. It, exactly. And it's it's awkward. <laughs> it's it's ugly to say. Um, let's talk about Max and this this paternity thing. And he meets this other this guy, this other this gay Jody's, guy. Jody's interpreter. Jody's interpreter, yeah. Who we thought was like a good guy. Tom, I thought Tom was a good guy, but Tom isn't. And uh and you know, the, but he and Max start dating. He and Tom start dating. Tom ends up getting uh Max ends up getting pregnant by Tom. And Tom straight up wholesale abandons Max. A pregnant Max. Yeah, and it's it's ugly and and I remember, and, and it's interesting, I remember um, being, I was shocked when Max wound up pregnant because it, when Tom and Max finally have sex, um, like, there's, like, a whole, first of all, it's a really gorgeous, first of all, it's really, It's I like the way it's shot because it's, like, they're in negative space and there's, like, a sh- like a shot where like they're in negative space and like there's like this green backlighting thing it it looks really cool but um i was shocked because when they get on the bed and you know the clothes are off like you see tom take out this condom and like rip it with his rip it open with his teeth and then put it on so i was like oh that's like i was and i remember being like that's nice save sex and then they're like oh max is pregnant by tom and i was like Honey, what do you mean the condom broke? He tells Tom, like, I'm pregnant. And Tom's like, okay. Like, what are we going to do? Like, so Max grew up in a, like, traditional, like, you know, third, fourth generation Irish Catholic family. It's interesting because the thought of abortion never really occurred to Max. But obviously it occurred to Tom. And he's like... And, you know, at first he's like, yeah, we're, we can do this. We're just going to be those really cool, hip West Hollywood dads, you know? We can do this. Right. 
And then he just like straight up dips. And then Max is like, I can't believe I let some F word knock me up. And I'm just like, bro, I know you're hurting right now, but that's a lot. But this whole this whole dynamic and how it played out and like Max being pregnant and eventually being a single father. I mean, that's what's going to happen. It was really weird because I remember thinking the whole time. Their, their treatment of this transgender character is, like, really, really bad. Like, everything bad that could could go wrong does go wrong for Max. And, I'm like, it's almost like they're treating him like he's black. <laughs> I mean, they're, I think they're just, I mean, they're treating him like what he's trans, which he is. Like, right. you know, like, he's definitely getting that energy. Because, yeah, nothing happy can happen to Max. Max is dating at his... Max is dating this his boss's daughter at one point, and then they break up in a really ugly sort of way. Um, and then, I mean, so yeah, but it's it's interesting. And Max's storyline and character and like the stories he's given more than anybody, I think, is the most interesting because they because something that I did appreciate about um, this. Max at his job and with the with like the boss's daughter and everything is that they're showing the way that if you can look if you can present as like if when you're trans you can present as cis like how that changes how people treat you mm-hmm. um and how this thing that you've never had before which is like the privileges of like white manhood are like suddenly bestowed to you because you present in this very specific way um mm-hmm. and and what that means and i remember thinking those episodes were really interesting to me yeah i fully agree i think those were definitely necessary um um because you know like you said when he was presenting assess nobody had a problem but then when they found out that max was trans everybody had a problem and the thing is what i hate about max's treatment is not all these things that keep happening to him but that literally everything that happens is a side effect of him being honest with people and being vulnerable with people yes yes definitively (laughs) definitively yes i mean that's that's definitely what it is like people He's very open and honest and vulnerable, and that's when people are like, there's something wrong with you, which I think that probably sucks more than anything. Yeah, it's it's terrible. It's terrible. Um, you know, and Max just continues to be a genuinely good person, but this season... Or rather, I believe it's next season, where, like, Max is, like, full, like deep into his pregnancy... Is when we really see, like, him in a really deep depression, and we'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. I my heart, my heart really went out to him in, um, in that in that season. So, season five. What else in season season five? Season five. We also uh, <laughs> we also um, meet Cindy and Don of Shebar. Which is like a competitive bar, like competing with the planet. They have like a nightclub. They have mm. all this other stuff going on. They have mud wrestling. Now, the co-owner Cindy, her lover Don, really likes Shane. Right. And so they decide to mess with Shane together. But like Don kind of wants Shane for herself. And low-key, she's really not trying to be with Cindy. And the relationship dynamic is very, very weird. It's very territorial. I would venture to say on 
controlling, possibly abusive. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's weird. It, you're right. It, it's giving, you know, it's just giving, like, bad, bad vibes because there is a point where Don sleeps with Shane when Cindy's not around, and that's what blows up everything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, they she finds out, and she's like, I'm gonna destroy you. Um, but then, like, later on, I believe by the end of the season, they go back to Miami, um, Don and Cindy. But, like, the whole relationship was very, very weird. This season is also the season where Shane actually has what I would consider her first real adult relationship with Phyllis's daughter, Molly. They're mm. very different people, but they click, they connect. And, like, Shane actually doesn't have to try to be monogamous with Molly. She just is. Which is huge. <laughs> it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Because I because Shane, for the longest time, felt like she, she just couldn't. Felt, it just mm-hmm. wasn't in her wheelhouse to, to be that mm-hmm. way. Right, but she is, and and it's interesting. Their relationship is literally smooth sailing, like, no work on Shane's behalf or Molly's behalf, but then Phyllis is like, you're not good enough for my daughter, and then she talks to her daughter Molly, and she's like, she does hair. She's not educated enough for you. And then Molly says something along the lines of, I know Shane's not the, the brightest cookie or whatever, and it's nothing inherently bad or derogatory, but, like, when you're someone like Shane, who's kind of been, like, passed over intellectually your whole life, like, he just sounds bad, right? Right. It just and sounds I mean, like, you don't take me seriously. Right. And, I mean, it is, it's devastating um, in terms of just gen- general, I, I mean, I remember, because I remember that part, and I thought it was so devastating, because they're, they're like, so what if she's not as smart as me? And I'm like, oh. Right. Um, it's, it's bad. I feel bad for Shane, but, like, I understand where Molly's coming from. Like, Shane probably will never be as smart as her, like, book learnedly. But, like, they do get along well. Like, they do vibe good. They're, they're good for each other. Um, so she breaks up with Molly because, but, like, it's interesting because the old Shane would have just, you know, hopped in someone else's bed. This Shane is actually really wanting to be with Molly. But Jenny typical Jenny fashion, Molly rings the letter by the house for Jenny to give to Shane. And Jenny does not give the letter to Shane because she's trying to have a relationship with Shane. Right. Right. Which is so... So this season literally consists of Jenny burning multiple bridges and keeping really life-altering secrets from people. That's what this season is. Yeah, and this is from last season, but let's I want I do want to get into it a bit because like it I think it's just demonstrative about how like psychotic Jenny like becomes. But so Jenny reads the review, we well, reads a review about the book, right? And she mm-hmm. buys a dog to then seduce this woman's girlfriend of the right and it's the girlfriend of the writer who wrote this review. And it's all in service of just humiliating this 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 culture writer. And I was like, wow, that is literally crazy. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. This actually happens. I believe it happened the last season. Yeah. It happened uh, last season, but we didn't talk enough about it because like you said, it is like full blown psychotic. 
this writer, Stacey Merkin, who is played by the incomparable Heather Matarazzo, gives Jenny's book a bad review. It's probably a really bad book. Um, she's probably right. And she doesn't know Jenny. She doesn't have a personal vendetta against Jenny, you guys. But in the book, one of her critiques was that, like, um, the the Jenny character was, like, self-absorbed and had no loyalty. And she later on made a comment after Jenny was basically cyber-stalking her that, like, she's in a healthy relationship and her girlfriend would never do a thing like that, right? Right. So she... She buys a dog to get close to Stacy's veterinarian girlfriend to try to seduce this woman and basically uh, prove to Stacy that she can get her girlfriend to cheat. Right. What? Or the, yeah, and that and like to prove to her that she that, that like after the girlfriend would cheat with Jenny, Jenny then would be like, well, Jenny is like a good person, or like she is just like a complicated person because everybody's complicated. And I'm like, bitch. Like, or like your girlfriend's not better than me. Like I'm gonna prove to you that your girlfriend's not better than me. <laughs> like ah, Jenny needs help. Um, but then um, she manages to get this woman to go out on a date with her by basically talking about how sad she is that she has to put this dog down. So she basically got a dog from the pound that was dying and needed to be put down. Bought the dog and then brought it to the veterinarian to be put down. And pretended to be bereaved over this dog that she literally met that day. The, and then she painted Stacy as a workaholic who's taking her girlfriend for granted to get the girl to go on a date with her. And then Stacy finds them at dinner and she's like, this is that psycho who's been online harassing me ever since I reviewed her book. This was the this was a, this was beyond petty. She was literally playing a long game of premeditated psychosis. <laughs> like, girl are you well you're right, not like, well are you okay honey like i don't know she well just, people don't do this and it just it it just totally demonstrates the the character's fall from grace but then also now like this like this this weirdo she's become yeah, she's a weirdo. She's very in herself. And again, I always saw inklings of this person. I saw inklings of this person post-Tim, right? When she and, and Marina were trying to make a go of it before she found out about Marina's girlfriend and then Marina's husband. This um, this, this very, you know, uh, affected person. This person that thinks she just has so many more feelings than other people and therefore other people's feelings don't matter. That person, I always saw this Jenny... Um, and I didn't like this Jenny, but her megalomania is completely out of control. Um, and, um, you know, before she's fired off the movie, she's trying so hard to control her girlfriend slash actress, Nikki. Um, but enough about Jenny. Let's talk about Tasha. Cause Tasha is now facing military court in this season for her relationship with Alice. Yeah, she's, this is sort of. This is at the height of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, but she's been found out. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because the woman who's the the man who's her def- who's the lawyer defending her is very clearly a homophobe, but he's also very committed to his job. And the woman who's prosecuting her, the prosecuting attorney, is clearly a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but she's like, but she's very much about don't ask, don't tell. And it's pretty much a, a, a self-appointed gatekeeper to make sure that no one else ever comes out the closet either. That was interesting. That was interesting. Um, and it's also, and then that whole, you know, Tasha wanting to, because she wants to keep her job and get her benefits rightfully. Um, Mm -hmm. but that uh, with sort of the talking pundit that like Alice becomes along with there, there's this fight with, Mm -hmm. um, Tasha and Alice's friends about like, George W. Bush and like Iraq and all the that stuff to have it all done in this season um, is like I said I don't think they fully explore to the best of like their ability but they do end up getting some really rich stuff in there and that's why um my season and that's why I really like like this season actually yeah I agree with that I think they did right by Tasha this season. I really do. Um, I I do think that in the midst of this trial, they actually strengthened the relationship between her and Alice as well. And I grew to have a newfound appreciation of the Alice character. She was, she's a real one. She's like, I'm going to stand by my woman, period. And right. um, she did everything that she could um to get things together for 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 Tasha and make sure make this basically as smooth as possible, and then Tasha's the one who ultimately made the decision to um to leave this organization that she had given so much of her life to if they could not accept who she is because she was an exemplary soldier. Everyone said so, right? And right. she was not getting any real recognition or respect here. So like. <laughs> Um, forget you and your little army. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I gotta go. So she leaves, and um, she ultimately makes a decision to become a civilian officer. Problematic, but it is what it is. Um, right. This is this is 2000. We're not expecting any any brilliance here. Yeah, yeah. It's early 2000s. Bush is still president. Um, um, um. Um, it's one of those things where, um, you know, I, it, I feel like it worked out as best as it could work out because Tasha's just that type of personality. She likes to, the, that idea of serving and protecting and wearing a uniform to work. It would have been weird if they made her anything else, honestly. <laughs> um, no, you're, you're it would have right. been weird. It just would have been weird. Now, mind you, in this season also... Bet, bet who heavily pursued Jody Lerner, who made this big, grand gesture for Jody, who didn't like the fact that Jody was monogamous and who basically talked Jody into becoming monogamous for her. That bet cheated on Jody with her ex Tina. I was about to say, yes, what happened? It's so vile. Like, she really did that. Straight face. Did she it did with that. a straight face. Didn't look back. I was like, oh, no, honey. Listen. And then she learns in the worst way. She learns while they're all like on some weird group camping trip or bike ride thing. Um, <laughs> I think it's like a breast cancer ride. Yeah. And then like they're like camping in the woods. And she finds out with all of their friends there. That's when Jody finds out. Terrible. And, 
And then Jody's thinking, oh, Beck kept this from me because she wants to be with me. So she's like, let's work this out. And then Beth's like, actually, I was hoping that when you found out you would leave me so I could be free to go be with Tina. So, yeah. Listen, <laughs> have have enough respect for the relationship to break up like a real bitch. That's all I'm saying. All right. But that's how that's how Beth breaks up with folks. She she cheated on Alice to get with Tina. <laughs> like, um but it's really bad and i i really was really disappointed in tina because i'm like you know what it feels like to be cheated on by this woman why would you participate in this especially when you know what she did to get to be with jody and how jody changed who she was and her perspective on relationships to be with bet um it's really ugly it's really sad um but then at like the at like the end of the semester uh, art exhibit she basically uh attacks and humiliates well humiliates bet through her art which i thought was deserved <laughs> um, like forget being the bigger person sometimes y'all need to go low go low sometimes it feels good it does it does feel good to go to go low sometimes and and then that's that's season five so season five what's your grade m i'm gonna give this season a good I thought it was better than the last season I'll give it a good what about you same over here I'm gonna give it a, give it a solid good I think that like the plots are more cohesive while still staying incredibly messy which I love um and yeah it, it was a good time I liked it right 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 I think it's a good time as well everything looks good now let's get into our final season. Our final season, season six, it picks up immediately where season five left left le- leaves off. Nikki's trying to apologize to Jenny. Shane's trying to apologize to Jenny. Blah blah blah. Natasha and Alice's relationship is put to the test. And Helena and Kit are in business together. They've taken over Shebar, and they're gonna rename the place Hit which is cute. Right. Very. It's it's very cute. This season, I feel like it's a little bit slower at first. I'm going to say that at first. But mm-hmm. then it picks up, like, real fast. Right. And I guess it's... I, I mean, I think that's just one of the things of, like, when you're ending a series, ending a series instead of sort of rushing and scrambling to, to think of this one while also thinking of the next ones, you it can be, like, a bit more unhurried. But um, I liked it. I liked it too. So Jenny, remember how we just spoke about how vindictive Jenny is? Well, she does the same thing to her ex, Nikki. Nikki's apologizing. She's like, I should have chosen you. Blah, blah, blah. I should have chosen you. And then um, uh, she's like, yeah, we can get back together. So she leads Nikki to believe that all is forgiven. They're back together. And then she dumps Nikki. Right. It's so savage. For why? Right. What was the reason? Just to um, see so you she, cry, apparently. Just because she can. Um, so um, we also meet Kelly Wentworth, who's an old friend of Bet's from college. I remember Bet was still in the closet when she was in college. Um, but Kelly's like this friend that she had a crush on. I don't think anything ever happened between them. But Kelly's played by the gorgeous Elizabeth Berkeley, a.k.a. Jesse Spano, um, comes into her life. And she's like, listen... I've been there, done that. Uh, you're out of the closet now. And I'm trying to see what that mouth do. <laughs> and Tina's like, 
oh, this girl's really hot. And you clearly had feelings for her at one point. And you have a history of not being trustworthy, that <laughs> Yeah, that, that untrustworthiness will get you every time. Every single time. But the season is also the season where Jenny and Shane hook up. And it's the hookup that I never wanted to happen. (laughs) Right. When it happens, it's it's awkward. (sighs) Jenny ruined what was actually one of the most beautiful friendships on that show. (laughs) They had like a really good friendship. It was solid. I could say easily that Jenny was a person that Shane cared about as much as Shane cared about herself, possibly more. But, you know, Shane don't really care about girlfriends like that. And that's true. when they became a couple, shit got weird, especially since Shane's still in love with Molly. Then after telling uh, this season, uh, someone steals the negatives from Liz Girls. And Tina, uh, Jenny looks Tina straight in the f- eyes and says, I didn't steal the negatives. I would never do that. I would never sabotage our movie. Jenny stole the negatives, y'all. She's got the negatives, the letter from Molly, and a bunch of other shit in the attic. Right. Um, and and it's ugh, like it is what it is. Right. Also, Phyllis does Phyllis does the, the thing that I would do when Bet goes to Phyllis and is like, you need to fire Jody. Phyllis is like, no, actually, I don't have to fire Jody. That's y'all's business. <laughs> Right. So let's talk about let's talk about this car oh, bet crash. Quits. Oh, oh bet, right, bet quits. Yeah, bet quits. Uh car crash, car crash, whose car crash? In season six. Whose car crash is what I'm asking. I don't remember who got into the car accident. Um, it's like I thought it was Jenny that gets into the car accident. Was it? Yeah. And then it's... I don't remember. And then, like... Because then, in the last episode, she dies? No. Benny... Uh, Jenny is killed in this episode. In, in the last episode. Like, she's straight up killed. They think someone killed her. Yeah. She's not the one in the car accident. Um, yeah, okay, she's just straight maybe up murdered. Maybe I'm mistaking the car. Like, because I... I swear to God, I thought it was, like, a car... I know it's, like, she's dead, but, like, they... Mm-hmm. I swear to God, like, they said it was a car accident. That's me. That's me, then. Yeah. Yeah, she 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 dies, and everyone has a motive. Because by this point, Shane has run into Molly, who tells her about the letter that Jenny gave, never gave her. Um, she is blackmailing Bet because she thinks Bet's cheating on Tina again. And Bet's like, I'm not. Bet's really not cheating this time. But Jenny's like, I'm gonna tell Tina, because Tina's my friend. Yeah, she's such a good friend that you stole the negatives. So Tina finds out about the stolen negatives. Bet's being blackmailed for something she didn't do. Shane finds out about the letter. Alice is mad because Jenny literally steals a treatment of hers, word for word, and sells it. All these people have a motive. (laughs) Right, right. And so, so then, yeah, so then, like, Jenny dies, which, like, then I think puts the whole show, like, in some weird curveball. Yeah. When so like- apparently there was supposed to be a spinoff where Alice is in prison for Jenny's murder. Like that was set to go and then it just didn't happen. 
<laughs> that was supposed to happen where Alice is sitting in jail for Jenny's murder. We don't know whether or not she did it. Again, lots of people have motive at this point. Um, and we can add Adele to that list of people with motive as well. Um, but there's a lot of people that want to see Jenny dead and Alice is the one in prison for it because I guess she was the one making the biggest deal. Everybody knew that she was upset about the whole treatment thing. But that was supposed to be a whole spinoff and it was greenlit and everything. And then they just shut down production. We still don't know to this day why that was. It just didn't happen. That's so weird because it's like, it makes it, it makes it such a weird, cause something, cause you know, I'm, I'm a big thing about series finales. You know, I always want a good series finale. And I think when you get one, it's, it truly makes a show magical and it, I remember this series finale, it really fucked me up because I was like, wait, why is it a murder mystery? Right, right. Because it was supposed to be basically a backdoor pilot to what was going to be a murder mystery. Um, I'm not sure why they went that direction. Um, but, it and really messes up the season for me. Here's the thing. I've wanted Jenny dead since season two, but I wish death on a lot. I've wished death on a lot of fictional characters. I didn't think they were actually going to do it. I can't. Like, I felt like, okay, thanks for killing her. But like not knowing who killed her is, is kind of womp womp. Um, but yeah, this is the season where Max is like full blown pregnant and they're dealing with that. And, you know, the girls low-key come through and they give Max a little baby shower. And it's really great, but he's miserable, you know? Yeah, Max is so miserable. And I'm so, I feel so bad for him because, like, and I know, like, there are trans men who, like, get pregnant and, like, they're totally happy and fine. And, like, in fact, they feel really, like, affirmed to be, you know, going through the wonder of, like, birth or whatever. But... It's really, I feel bad for poor Max because it's really doing like a, a number on him in terms of like, like body dysmorphic wise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, and, you know, Max never wanted to be uh, uh, a parent in the traditional get pregnant sense. So this is throwing, like you said, his body image and his gender identity into crisis now. Um, but he's keeping this child's... Um, but it's 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 hard on him and it's really hard to watch i'm almost glad that they didn't focus more on this because max is just really going through it i I feel out of everyone in this season he's suffering the most even jenny um who who goes through a lot this season almost everything she goes through is self-inflicted it's not like with max Right, because Max has things happen to him, and and Jenny just kind of suffers action actions of her own consequences, like suffers the consequences of her own actions. I think the thing I hate the most about Jenny is that she has these very high expectations of the people around her, but she'll literally treat them any type of way, and feel like it's okay. Right? No, that's true. Jenny doesn't have boundaries, like at all, like zero. None. She's got the highest standards for everyone, but no boundaries and no real empathy for other people or consideration for them at all. She, you guys, the treatment she stole from Alice, she sold for half a million dollars. Right. And then she, straight up denied the theft. <laughs> right. And she's, she's, eat, she's eating good off of it. And she's like, well, 
<laughs> and she does like the Jenny does like the classic. Well, you know, as a writer, I hear all these ideas, and they could be anything. And like, I don't know if I stole it or not. That's why you have to just submit to being in my presence. Right, right. And she steals this treatment and sells it after Alice pitches it to her, and she tells Alice it's a horrible idea and it will never sell. Right, right. That's what kills me. That's what kills me. Is she it really terrible? Was like, like with friends like Jenny, who needs enemies? Truly. <laughs> oh goodness, isn't it? Isn't it terrible? It's. I'm like, why didn't y'all stop talking to old girl three seasons ago? Is what I want to know. Right, and she's sort of been building to this this attitude and like this this moment about her, but um, but yeah. So then the series ends with Jenny getting killed, and and that's how it ends. It I. What's your grade for this this final season? M, good, bad, or basic? Literally, just because they killed Jenny, good. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? I'm conflicted. You know, it's not that I don't mind killing Jenny, but then it's just like, why does it, it? It just ends on such a weird note, like for me, like for a story that started off as like, Sex in the City, lesbians, LA, let's go. For it to be like, one of us have murdered our friends. I'm just like, wait. <laughs> yeah, like between that and like that whole Casino Royale thing they were doing with Helena the last yeah. season, it was weird. It's weird. You know, I'm just kind of like, I'm definitely at like a basic. Yeah, it was, honestly, it was giving basic things and I would have given it a basic if I didn't hate Jenny so much. <laughs> and, but, yeah. <laughs> And the only reason why it even gets a basic for me is because I feel like the actors are really giving and everyone's like really into, I mean, it feels like they're selling these stories and like some of the context, the context of which some of these like relationships are shifting are super interesting. So I, I give it, I give it a basic for that, but, but it is like basic for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was weird too, like the whole, this season, like when Helena goes to prison, yeah, out of prison with her lover, and I'm like, what? That sounds like a completely different show too. It's so different. It's I mean, different listen, show. only Helena could look good in Prison Orange. First of all, she was rocking it. She looked real good in prison. I'm not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> but like. Helena didn't deserve to be in prison. So let's talk about that. Um, that Dylan woman came back around because she's like, I know me and my boyfriend played you for your money, but the truth is I really am in love with you. And I'm like... <sighs> yeah, just like that. Like, so much about this because they were opening the door to so many things that we never got answers on. Like you said, like if we had gotten our spinoff, maybe we could have gotten followed more about Alice and, and Helena and their adventures uh, pre and post prison. But like, we didn't get that. And the L word season one and the L word season six are two very different shows. They are, they're completely different shows. Um, but all in all, you know, I, I like, it was a good show to me. I loved all the messy, super messy, 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 super messy drama. Um, there's a lot of sex on this show. Oof, there's so much. I had forgotten. 
I was like, oh, wow, like, that's that's a lot. Um, but I liked it. Yeah, same, 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 same. I um, liked it. It's, I'm here for, like, the pop. It's definitely, like, a popcorn wine and be like, girl type of show. Pretty much. It's definitely, like, a good, I feel like, adult slumber party show. I also really enjoyed the show even more once... We got rid of Kit's boyfriend and Tina's boyfriend. Yeah, that was nice. Yes, I agree. I I agree. I agree. Um, now, it's already been re- the L word's already been rebooted. That 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 ship is it's already you know there's the L word Generation Q, but it does feature. I think like Alice is back on it and Bet isn't back on it. I haven't seen it. Have you seen it? No, I have not watched Generation Q. All right, well, I, so I can't tell you if it's good or not, but... No, I mess with it, though. I feel like this generation does need an L-word, because I feel like the previous L-word was really geared towards Gen X. Like, it came out when I was in high school. Um, Like, t- 2004 was when the first season was released, but, like, because of the ages of the characters, it's very clear that it's it's targeted for Gen X. Right. And I do think that they're... Um... Like like I said, the social issues that like were explored on the the L word, like some of them are done really really well and beautifully, and some of them need you know a lot of work a lot of work. So hopefully, um, Generation Q is like addressing that, and like maybe addressing like how white the show was previously. Um, mm. Although I feel like these days, like people just cast like racially ambiguous people and say it's not white anymore, but. Mm. Um, but yeah, I hope all those things like they've considered and, and I don't know, maybe I'll watch an episode to see to see what it's about. Yeah, let's see what there is to see. But overall, I thought the show was good. I definitely feel like the racism was a problem. The transphobia was an even bigger problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that the characters were captivating. I like that they were layered and multifaceted. I like the complexity of a lot of the characters. I think that the effort was valiant. And there you have it, folks. Everything that we thought made the L word good, bad, basic, and so titillating. If you'd like to check out this series, the L word is currently streaming on Hulu. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, be sure to share it with your friends. And if you're a member of our Patreon, be sure to check out the L word playlist if you haven't already. Tune in next week as we keep the strong female lead season going with our discussion on the modern day sleuth, Veronica Mars. Veronica Mars is currently streaming on Hulu, so get into it. You don't want to miss out on this conversation. The Good, the Bad, the Basic is currently streaming on all major podcast platforms, so be sure to tune into our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Follow us at The Good, Bad, Basic on Twitter and at Good, Bad, Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, the Bad, the Basic, where all of our weekly episodes debut. 
If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron over on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash good bad basic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time, bye everyone. 